So today we carry on with Proverbs. This is the second last week of Proverbs, uh, which has been for me really good. How's everyone's reading going in Proverbs? Does someone want to share how their reading is going, what God has spoken to them through Proverbs? So, you? You haven't been reading, eh? Okay, come, dude. This is Simon, our drummer. Let's give him a round of applause. Yeah, I have been in and out of Proverbs, as it goes. <laughs> Proverbs 1, eh? Yeah. But uh, I'd like to maybe just share uh, something that, because we did a series on Proverbs not too long ago before we came to South Africa. So, okay, cool. That's a bit loud. Um, so, there's that verse that we started off the whole series with, which is um, fear of the Lord, or wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord, or something like that. And um, if, if we take the word wisdom, and we look at every description for the word wisdom in the book of Proverbs, um, it has things like wisdom is peaceful, it's this, it's that, it's that. But basically, they're the same descriptions that the Bible uses for Jesus. And even a, even a book that is about, um, you know, kind of good, good advice, good practice, good, um, still in, in, the, in the Bible that doesn't so overtly point to Jesus, still points to Jesus and so that's just a kind of a testimony of the word, yeah. It's very true. Every point, every line in this word points to one person. He is the fulfillment of the word of God, Jesus Christ. Um, so if you want to turn in your Bibles to Proverbs 11.24, that's where we're basing a lot of today on. Um, Today I'm talking, if you're taking notes, which is a good thing to write on your phone, Cliff, I'm watching you. Well, you can just remember stuff, it's fine. Eh? Um, no, I'm just teasing. It's real generosity equals real prosperity. Okay. So if it's your first time here, and you're like, I don't go to church because they talk about finances, we do this once every 18 months. So it's just you came in on the day that we're speaking about finances. And I think if we don't speak about finances, it is the thing closest to heart. It's the most, one of the most dominant parts of our lives. Without it, we wouldn't function. And I, I think when we have a healthy connection to money, and we having, we're putting God first, putting Jesus first as number one, everything else will flow out of that, and we'll understand what it means to, to enter into a new economy, which I'm going to speak on today. So... We're about to read from King Solomon. Did you know that King Solomon was worth $2.1 trillion? There was a list of the 10 richest men that ever lived, and they kind of brought in inflation and what they would be today. With the wealth that, uh, that King Solomon had, he had $2.1 trillion. Now that, that's, that's, that's greater than the Abu Dhabi's sovereign wealth fund. It's, it's, it's greater than this country's wealth. One man. And I think if there's anything we can learn about money and about how to handle our finances, now I come as a learner, and those who are involved in financial advising know that I come and ask some questions all the time about finance. Uh, I, all I know is that God is quite simple about how we actually should operate with our money, because where our money is, our heart is also, as the Bible says. And if we understand what it means to give of our first fruits, not only to the local church, but have a generous heart, we are, we are unpinning ourselves from money. We're unpinning ourselves from the love of money. So money is not the root of all evil. The Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. So if we, it's basically putting money in a higher place than we trust in God. 
And I think when we unpin ourselves from, from trust in um, money, we put it in God, our life becomes free. We spoke, we had a deacons meeting probably about two weeks ago, and I asked the deacons, what is, what is your idea of freedom? What in a sentence would you say? And Mark, one of the things he said is just to have no worries. Wouldn't it be great if we wouldn't have to worry about our finances? Am I right? All of us, we've got a budget we're following after, maybe a savings plan or whatever it is. And I can tell you that the Bible teaches how we cannot worry about our finances. And it's about understanding the right place of where money is. So Proverbs 11.24 says this. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings, bless, whoever brings blessing will be enriched. And the one who waters himself will be water, uh, the one who waters will himself be uh, watered. The people curse him who holds back grain, but a blessing is on the head of those who sell it. And I think if we understand this as a principle that God wants us to have open ends. And I, I felt God speak to me yesterday. There's a there's a scene in the Bible, I think it's in Acts four, where Barnabas he's not he's not kind of anything in terms of like a gospel preacher yet. And he's, he's just, he's, he's, a, he's, from the, he's from Cyprus, a tribe from, he's a Levite, so basically grew up in the priesthood, obviously came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, realized that Jesus was the fulfillment of the whole law, and he put his faith in him, and, he come, and there's a scene where he says he comes and he lays his, a property that he sold, and he lays it at the apostles' feet. And from that moment, you see Barnabas shoot into the, the act story where God starts to use him powerfully to reach the gospel. And can I say that everything about money for me revolves around one thing, and it's Jesus Christ. That we need, as a church, as the church worldwide needs money to see the gospel advance into different nations. To see we support pastors, we, we get behind different initiatives across the world. But more than that, I think if we have a correct understanding of money, we will see the blessing and the prosperity of God. And that may or may not mean money. I want to put that as a, as a thing out there. How you sow, you will reap. I do believe in that. I've seen it in my life. I've seen as we've sown, we've seen God come. But God's, some, God's prosperity is different to our prosperity. We think I'm going to give 500 dirhams. God's going to bless me with 5,000. It doesn't work like that. All you're doing there is you're being obedient to God, and God's hand comes upon your life and brings blessing in other and amazing ways. So that's the main text we're looking at. Then if you want to turn to 1 Timothy 6, 11. I don't know if we're able to put it up here. Uh, you can put it in the ESV. That'll be great. 1 Timothy 6, 11 to 19. And uh, we'll get onto that. Now, I want to ask a question. Who grew up with not a lot of money? You know, like, you know that things were a little bit tight. Uh, I, had a, I had a great upbringing. My parents were amazing. Uh, they gave, I had a bicycle. I had a guitar. It's all I needed. Just, you know what I mean? Like singing songs to Jesus from like six. You know what I mean? I was that kind of kid. Um, my parents, we lived in a middle class neighborhood in South Africa. Now, I don't know, for those of you who know parts of South Africa, it's, it is the south of Johannesburg, which is kind of sometimes known as a bit of the rougher area, um, for the, especially for the people, like Stu was from the north. It's like the, the very kind of snobby people. Um, but uh, so... I grew up in South, and I was like, I, for me, my, all my friends were the same, all working class, p- 
parents had fairly good jobs, they provided for their family, went on holidays. There was no lack. I wouldn't say in any form that we were poor at, at all, at all. But there was a moment when I realized that I wasn't as rich as some of my friends. So there was, um, there's a, where we used to live, there's like these hills at kind of on the backdrop of, of the town. It was a beautiful little town I grew up in, amazing, amazing childhood. And, uh, and there, was, there was about six houses on the hill, and that used to be called Millionaire's Row. I don't know who named it. I think my mom told me that, but I think it's always known as, you know, you get, you get like the, the normal people, and then you get the people on the hill. And they had this massive house. One of the houses had a lift. And I was like, and one day I actually went to go visit a friend of mine there. And I sat there and I realized, wow, I've actually got, I, everything I've kind of received up to now has been knockoffs of something. Like, he, who, who grew up with Sega here? Sega was the ultimate thing, okay? I had Nintendo from, from a place in the, kind of, uh, in the kind of equivalent of pick and pay. I mean, sorry, of, of Union Co-op. It was a cheap thing. Ryan, you know what I'm talking about. It's like my, my parents, were, I got rollerblades, and uh, they were also bought from a place like Spinney's. And they were awesome. They worked, but they were pink, and they were, they were Lumo. <laughs> and, uh, and by the way, I actually saw someone um, rollerblading the other day. It's, it's really past. It's, the time is over, the rollerblading stage. And uh, so I remember going to this, my friend's house, and uh, his dad was a builder. I can't remember the whole story, but they had, they had a lot of everything. And, um, and I remember thinking, wow, these people are rich. Now, I want to, just with that in your mind, I want to read 1 Timothy. Have we got it up, Johnny? Okay, go for it. But you are a man of God. Flee from all of this and pursue righteousness. This is Paul writing to Timothy. It's Batman, in a sense, writing to Robin. It's his, it's his sidekick that he's, that he's hanging on to. Righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Next one. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you, when you were made good, when you made good your confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God, who gives life to everything. And in Christ Jesus, who while testified in before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords. We almost get in there who alone is immortal and who lives in an unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor, might, uh, be honor and might forever. Amen. Verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. The next verse. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Verse 19. In this way they will have treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Can we go back to 17? And I want to unpack that a little bit today in, in, in helping our understanding. So when we read that, it says, Command those who are rich in this present world. If we take it back to where Paul, what Paul was writing from, this ancient context he was writing, there were only two classes of people. There were, there were the haves and there were the have-nots. There were the people who had lots and they had, they had an abundance and they had money and they had all of this stuff. And then you had the people who didn't even know where their next meal was going to come from. The, literally the only clothes they owned was that on their back. I would consider every single person here, most every single person, we are rich. 
we've got, we actually, after this, we've, some of us are probably even thinking, what, is, what are we going to eat for lunch? Um, I'm about to s- start something, and I'm going to confess it publicly, called a banting diet. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of that. It's basically just a whole lot of meat and fat. Tammy, I don't know if it's good, but I'm doing it. <laughs> Tammy gave me the look. Tammy's a bit into health. Let me drink some water. Anyway, so I'm thinking about what kind of meat I can eat after this. And um, we read this text and we immediately think, this is not for me. I'm not rich. Most of us are able to afford to go out for lunch today. Most of us. I'm not saying all of us. Some of you, it might maybe a really tight month. Most of us yeah, had, had petrol or gas in our car to get to church. So that we, if we have a shelter over our head, we've got, we got food to eat, we've got clothes on our back, we are considered rich. And what does the Bible tell us to do? It says, command us. So I'm talking to myself. Command those that are rich in this present world not to be arrogant and put their hope in wealth. First of all, that, that money doesn't make you better than anyone else. That's the first thing he's saying. It says, and not to put their hope in wealth, which is actually an uncertain riches. And what Paul is trying to bring us into here is a different economy. And I, I honestly believe if we understand that there's this world economy, now there's some crazy stuff that's going on in the world right now. We, uh, if you had to talk a couple of years ago, 2008, it had that massive dip. The recession, a lot of us maybe even suffered through that, lost a lot of money. Some of us didn't, whatever it is. Uh, if you look at the world's economy, it's going like this the whole time. They say there may be at some stage a double, double dip. Um, who knows? It's, uh, they say it's inevitable. It's bound to happen at some stage. So we live in this world where, this, where if we put our trust in this worldly wealth, it's uncertain. You can invest money. I've been even talking to Johnny who invests people's money. He says you can invest your money somewhere, but if there's a major crash, you're going to lose a chunk of it. It's uncertain. And I think if we start to... To, to, to take scripture in the light of what Jesus has done for us and look at him as our king, our provider, uh, the source of everything that we do. We say, do you know what? We're going to pin our hope and our trust on Jesus Christ. We, we, we enter into a different economy. And the amazing thing is, when, once we operate in the economy, we see the blessing of God. And the only way to get into the economy is to open your hand and say, you live, you, you live on the prowl to bless people. You, you, you wake up every day, because once you've seen it, you've seen the blessing of God come upon your life. I'm going to open that up a little bit later. There's an elusive pull that this world has. Most of us, uh, you drive around Dubai and you look, there's new villas, there's new cars that you can get with hardly any interest. Uh, there's, there's, this, there's this pull that, that is pulling you always constantly in a way that, that wants you to just pour your money out. And it says, put your trust in this, put your trust. And I'm saying, it's okay to have those things. But if we have an unhealthy relationship with money, we're going we're gonna to find ourselves in a mess. So we mustn't be arrogant, and they must not put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. Who wants to be happy? Who wants to be joyful all the time? I honestly believe that source of a lot of our uh, negativity and the source of a lot of our, the things we struggle with is, is actually rooted in, in what we do with our money. And if we learn to unpin ourselves from the ways of this world and get into in a different economy where we're operating on something totally, totally different, where we trust in God 
And honestly, it's, it's, it's about trust. Some, some of us, we, we look at our budgets and we say, okay, well, I've got to get this done. I've got to get this done. I've got to get this done. And then maybe there's enough for God. And I, I want to I encourage you, because the Bible says that we can test God in this, is that give God of your first fruits. Give before everything else comes off. I remember Starla's dad telling a story that he said they had a whole bunch of uh, uh, debit orders on their account, but he used to race to the bank before all these debit orders came off, which would leave him with nothing in his bank account, and he would draw his tithe so he could go pay his tithe so he knows that he's putting that first principle in place so it honors God. And, he's, and we, Starla's parents are blessed. They've seen, they've literally traveled the world. Uh, there's, there's one thing, uh, I think, I don't know if your dad said it or one of, one of the other guys, he said, we may not be millionaires, but we'll live like millionaires. And I, honestly, Starla and I can see that. We can see the blessing of God in our lives. Like I've, I've had the privilege of traveling around the world to the States. If I think that it's just, it's only God. And I think once we understand that we, we're placing our trust firstly in Him, first of all for salvation, but then every single part of our life. I, I read it last week, but John Wesley said that the last thing to get converted often is a man's wallet. And I think if we understand, we put everything in the context of Jesus, of what He did, God the ultimate, gave the ultimate sacrifice, only sung, it's, it's an easy thing for us to live. Have you ever met someone with lots of money? I have. Uh, and they, for me, don't seem happy. I'm talking about people who aren't believers in, in Jesus. And uh, I, I, hopefully I've got this quote here. Jim Carrey says this, I hope everyone could get rich and famous and will have everything they ever dreamed of so, the, so they will know that it is not the answer. Money, if you are chasing after money to somehow give your life a bit more comfort, you're never going to find that internal peace. The internal peace comes from Jesus alone. And it comes through putting your, your faith and your trust in Him. And I think even as believers, we need to learn to say, you know what, God, you've given me this money. You've given me whatever my salary. How can I be a blessing to this world with it? Not just a blessing to my family, but to this world. And how can I sow and sow into the future. Marco spoke last week, a farmer doesn't go scatter one or two seeds. He goes and scatters seeds because he wants to see a crop. And I think if we understand that with our finances, we'll see the blessing and the favor of God over our lives. There's a few things you have to settle just looking at this verse, that God is your source. God is your source. Not your job, not your skills, not your savings account. God. And, uh, and I've told some of these stories before, before, so forgive me, but we have seen God bless us unbelievably. People give us money where we're trusting for something and then money just comes through. I can honestly say, since planning this church, and it doesn't always look like I'm looking in the bank account and I can see the blessing of God, but I can see God's blessing and provision and looking after us day after day, time after time. We have never been without food. We have never been without fuel in our car. We have never struggled because God's hand has been upon us. God is our only source. We, like I said we live this personally, but I think we also live this as a church, that God is our source. At the end of the day, I'm not imploring you to give money to the church, and that's, that's not my, my motivation today, is to say that if you live with an open hand, you'll see God's blessing and hand upon your life. We, we enter into a different economy. We set our expectations on God and not on money. This is freeing. This should be the most freeing thing in our lives, is actually just say, God, everything I have is yours. There's no worries. It's going to happen. You're all quiet. 
always happens when you talk about money. Um, so just a few, few points. Because four. What we need to do out of this verse. Number one, we must do good. Actually, I want to just quickly talk. Um, we have to look at the nature of who God is. And I think some of, some of us, and I'm, and I'm even coming down like, to salvation and to putting our trust in Him, some of us don't understand how good God is. Jesus came to reveal the Father. He is the most loving thing. God's not, a, God's not a person. God is God. He is the most loving force that you can ever encounter in your whole entire life. He pours out His love upon us. He, his love was so huge that he, that he sent His only Son in our place to be sin, to die on, die on the cross in our place so we can have salvation. God is, and I think sometimes we have this view of God that, that it's about a whole checklist of a whole bunch of things we have to do before we earn His favor. God is in love with you. He loves you. And I think if we approach everything in life that God, by, by His very nature, is our provider, a good father on this earth provides for His family. That's, uh, you look at guys like Rom, Greg, Mark, just people I'm seeing, uh, Stu, their responsibility is to look after their, their family. They take that, God has that same responsibility to look after His kids. And I think we need to settle that in our hearts, that God is good enough for us to trust Him. And even to even trust Him with the thing that He's given us, which is our money. Um, so first point, which Paul says to the rich people, to us, he says, do good. So basically, don't just use your money for luxury. Use it for the advancement of the kingdom. Second thing, be rich in good works. Now that for me is not just about dropping money in the, in the offering box. People, I think you need to understand what that means, and we've already spoken a little bit on tithing last week, but I think for me it means, it means being rich in, in doing good works. Is that actually rolling up your sleeves and, and putting your money where your mouth is? Is that even right? Okay. Um, you, you become rich in, in doing good works, not about just giving. The third thing is that we must be generous and ready to share. I think it says that uh, in 18. Command those who do good to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. Now, there's no way around it. Like, if we're going to believe the Bible, what the Bible says, this is not Dan. Jake said a couple of weeks ago, he says, sometimes I don't like what the Bible says. This is one of those things. We may not like it, but it's what the Bible says. Generous, what does it mean? It means to be lavish in giving away. Lavish. The Father was lavishly uh, sent His Son. God is a lavish God. If we understand, God doesn't work in pie economics. It's not like He's like, okay, cool, I'm going to take, cool, I'm going to bless Rom with a, a Mercedes. And then you're like, look, God, what about my Mercedes? Because Rom's already got it. God has an endless supply. He has an endless supply, as we're going to read later, for our enjoyment. Luke 6.38, it says, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, it'll, and it will be into your lap. Pour into your lap. We have to understand that God, once we open our hand and we say, do you know what, I'm going to, by faith, I'm going to, I'm going to bless someone this month. I'm going to take 500 domes of my salary and like, I'm going to say, God, what are you saying? Who can I bless with this money? And you will see that the blessing of God starts to flood over you. And it doesn't start when, you, when you've got a ton of money. It starts with the little, the little 
that God gives you. Can we turn to 2 Corinthians 9? If you've got NIV, that's great. 2 Corinthians 9. Nushi read it this morning, so this is good. Remember this, 9 verse 6. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Give a little, you're going to get a little. Simple. Like I don't, th- there's, no, there's no other way around it. This for me is the most liberating thing. I, I, I listened to a couple of sermons this week, but one of the sermons I listened to I'm giving, I was literally shouting in my car saying, God, who can I give money to? Because I got so excited that we can actually enter into a different economy, that we can give away, give away. We can see the kingdom of God come. We can, see, we can put our money into places that's actually going to matter into eternity. It just got me excited. I hope it's getting you excited. So those who have stuff, we need to participate in God's economy. You will be happy, the Bible says, if we liberally give away. We need to wake up every morning plotting how we're going to give. How are we going to share money? How are we going to give of our time, our resources, our, our energy? And, and we're going to say, do you know what, God, I've got one life to live, and I want to give it all to you. God wants us to be vessels for him. He wants us to just say yes. And I think once we get that, I mean, I may be hearing stories of some pastors, some, some guys who are earning uh, they started tithing 10, they got to 15, they went to 20. Some people got up to 90% of their monthly income they're giving away and they're living off the 10%. I thought, wow. And, and that person, you know that they are full of joy because they have given something to God. They've given for the kingdom of God. They've given to charities. They've seen, uh, their money is paying towards seeing people healed, saved, hospitals open. All this, I think we need, we need to put a bigger perspective on God. God is big enough to bless you and to also to feed thousands of orphans in, in the world. God is big enough. We have to open up to who He is. Jesus even said in Acts, quoting Jesus in Acts 20 uh, verse 35, you're far happier giving than getting. Far happier. This is exciting. Is everyone excited? Okay. Irma Brombeck says this, when I stand before God at the end of my life, I would hope that I have not a single bit of talent and could say I've used everything you've given me. I want to stand before God and know that every opportunity I've used for His glory and for His kingdom. We have one life to live. People don't understand this kind of giving. And I think there was a story, um, who's heard of Bethel, the church Bethel in, in America? And... Uh, there was a story, I think, I think Bill Johnson, one of the guys shared, he just said there was a moment where the one person, there was like, in, in America, you've got kind of drive, you drive into Starbucks. And uh, so the one person said, listen, I'm going to pay for my coffee, but I'm going to pay for the person behind him. And this apparently carried on for like 20, 30 cars. There's a, huh? Apparently it was the whole day. The whole day of people paying for the person behind you. And I think, imagine we get that. Imagine... We, we grasp that. We're not a big church, but we have, we have people with big hearts. And we can change the city through our generosity. Imagine you go up to a check, your, your, your checkpoint, and uh, you, you've got all your groceries, and there's someone behind you who says, listen, I really feel to bless you. Like, can you imagine how that is going to open people's hearts to the gospel? 
Because they're like, well, you're actually, we're living what we're talking. We're not just meeting and gathering on a Friday and we're singing our worship songs, but actually we're doing something with our lives that is changing the world. We need to look at opportunities to bless. And the whole thing about blessing is that it's sacrifice and you never look to get anything back. So if you're paying for someone's groceries behind you or in front of you, you run and you, you pay for them, you may never see that person, but you could be the one that is sowing that seed. I think we need, if, we, if we grasp this thing, you talk to Beza, she lives with, the, uh, she's an amazing, amazing girl, um, just does amazing stuff for God that I can't even kind of mention publicly. But uh, she, she says, be aware of the cleaners in, uh, in Mall of the Emirates, in the different malls. These guys often aren't earning a salary. They, they literally, they'll get accommodation and possibly food, uh, often not. Give them 10 dirhams and might buy them dinner. You know what I mean? Like we can so be conditioned to, uh, to uh, we, we have, we, on our doorstep, there's people that are in want. And we need, to, we need to have an open hand that says, you know what, God, I'm ready to bless when you tell me to bless. That's, imagine that. Imagine we start a Starbucks cure. At, we should actually just do it one day. All of us go to Starbucks and all of the Emirates. And we, just, we, we start the thing. And we make sure that we have someone we don't know between all of us. And we just pay. Pay for the person behind you. And you know, just see how that goes. Um, I don't know if it'll work because it'll break at the per- Anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. Fourth point, we need to cling to the life of God, which is Jesus. Verse 19, it says, Thus storing up for themselves a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Jesus is prosperity. Jesus is the point. Jesus, knowing Him, the peace of God is prosperity. Stalin and I were talking about in the car yesterday, like so often in our minds, and this is where the prosperity gospel has got it, got it wrong. They, they, they only aim at money. They're like, okay, cool. You're going to give this, and God's somehow this big accountant in heaven is like, okay, cool, you're given that, and I'm going to multiply that. That happens, okay? But the main thing uh, in, in 2 Corinthians 9, which I'm going to, I didn't finish reading. I got to one line. But the main thing of why you sow and you give is that there's a harvest of righteousness. There's, there's the love of God that is the peace of God. The peace, can, can I tell you that having peace, those who haven't had peace, you know peace is a gift. We can see it as we give and sow. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man and woman should give what has been decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to, uh, to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, uh, having all that you need, you are bound in every good work. God's plan for us is for us to be a vessel that is generous, of, of being generous people. Now, if you're waiting for the blessing of God, start sowing. Marco taught it last week. It doesn't happen just by waiting. We have, to, we have to sow. We have to give sacrificially. We have to give that it costs us. And we're going to start to see God. And we're going to cling to Jesus. So can we pray together? I cut out a lot of what I wanted to say, just trying to listen to what God is saying. Ah, I want to actually do a call this morning. First of all, um, today was a finance talk, but uh, ultimately everything is about Jesus Christ. 
And I spoke about him, how he saves us, how we put our hope on him, that we cling to him, the only life, that he is our treasure, that he is our great reward, that he is everything. And if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, where you've repented of your sins, so I want to walk away from that lifestyle and and I want to follow after Jesus, I want to give an opportunity now. If you want to raise your hand quickly, I always have to give an opportunity. I can't presume everyone is a believer. We're on a journey together. And the second thing, and this is kind of related, but for those of you who, who know that God is more, I spoke about Barnabas and how he, he laid down his treasure, a, a field that he owned in Cyprus, a piece of land that he owned in Cyprus, which would, would have been worth, in today's terms, a lot of money. And he went and laid it at the apostles' feet, which means he said he's giving it to the church giving it to these guys who are going to say, well, we're going to distribute this amongst the poor, whatever it is. If you know that there's more that God has for you, can you just quickly stand? I'd love to just pray, just a general prayer over us. I feel God is wanting to release more people into their callings, into their giftings. Um, Father, you see everyone's heart this morning. They're acknowledging that before you, God, there's more. God, and I just, for those of you who are are business people, and you you know that that God has put on your heart for you to be a blessing to nations. I feel God is wanting to release more and more. So if that is you, if you're going to just be in a a place of receiving and say, God, I'm going to pray a prayer for you. Father, I pray for those who are in business. For those who, who you, you have called with a, a gift of generosity, a gift of giving, a grace gift of giving, I pray, Lord God, that you release them more into the, what you've called them to do, Lord God. Let them become more vessels, more open to what you want to do in and through their lives, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Chris, would you mind just playing a little bit? I think I just want to give God time to just minister to us. Um, can we just stay in the place of prayer I'm just going to Chris is just going to play a little bit I'm just going to trust God for him to move yeah, you can sit, stand, whatever I'm not going to sing any songs so Father can we all just raise our hands God, you've seen the people that have stood and say we want more. I pray, Lord God, that even now you would start to show clearly what you want them to walk into. I just see for some of you, it's almost like you can see in a distance. It's almost like you're in this bush and you're in this jungle and you can see the distance what God has for you. But there's so much brush, there's so much leaves, there's so many plants and and, and stuff that is in front of you. And you're like, God, but I can see it, I can see it. And I feel that today the Father is going to start giving some of you keys, which is almost like a a big uh, machete-type knife that is going to be able for you to cut down the areas so you can actually walk into your destiny. God, I speak your destiny. I speak your life over every single person here. Father, you are good. 
worship you, Lord Jesus. I really, I think, just begin to speak to God. Say, God, you see my heart. I, I want more. I want, I want all that you have for me. I want to walk into greater blessing. I want to walk into greater freedom. I want to walk into the calling that you've placed upon my life. I just sense uh, fear of, of the unknown. Fear of, of doing what Dan's been teaching. Of, of trying to make room for God in your finances. And you look at it and you think, I don't even know how that is possible. You don't know how many kids we have. You don't know um, the plans I have. And I just feel um, God saying that it's all about faith. He's not, he's not asking you to take a giant leap. He's just asking you to take one step. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. And Lord God, as, as your children have stood up to receive from you, to seek your face, as we earnestly seek you, I pray, Lord God, that you would just inject faith into their hearts. Faith to believe that you will not drop them, that there is a safety net that you are to be trusted. I pray that faith would settle in their hearts today. So Lord, we, we thank you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you, God, that you are here with us. 